Well, good evening. I did bring my cell phone up here. I set myself a timer, so. Uh, and I'm following Brother Abbott's tradition with my face mask, so you can tell your dad that he started something. So, uh, Teresa, you can let him know. But uh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord, and I will. I did talk to Pastor before I came in, and he said, please pray that they set me a date. He said, that's the one request that I have for tomorrow. Please pray that they set me a date. If you can uh, have the people, just pray for that one thing. And so he is, he is anxious about getting the date set and getting all this over and, and getting back. So uh, just pr uh, pray that uh, that request may be answered to, uh, for tomorrow. Well, if you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34. And uh, we're going to try something a little different here. I've never done this before, but we're going we're gonna to try today. But we're going to talk a little bit about Second uh, Chronicles 34, what happens there in verses 8 through 33, and uh, Second uh, Kings uh, chapter 2 and 23, verses 1 through 30. And what we're dealing here with, it has to do with the last great king that the nation of Judah had. And does anybody know who that king was? Josiah. Josiah was the last great king that they had. After this, and you'll see in the slides here, we'll talk a little bit more about it. They had four bad kings. And then after that came the Babylonian captivity. But we're going to find out, we'll do a little bit of, uh, little bit of history here so you can find out about what's going on. Uh, first of all, the nation had been divided into two kingdoms. They were divided into Judah and Israel. If you remember, Israel didn't want any part uh, of, of Judah. They thought Judah was the favored nation. Of course, we do know it is the favored nation because... Of that's the lineage of Christ. We know that's where David was and, so and, and Solomon. That's where the lineage of Christ was coming. That's where the kingly line was supposed to follow. But Israel didn't like that, and they, they felt that they were being shorthanded, and they split off into another kingdom. And uh, at this time, when we're, that we're going to be dealing with here, uh, Israel is, uh, is in uh, captivity. Assyria had come in and taken them over, and, uh, and Israel is in captivity while Josiah is king. But we are only dealing here with the tribe of Judah in our scriptures tonight. And uh, God had already abolished Israel uh, more than 100 years before when the tribes were led away into captivity. And uh, then if you uh, wanted just to tell you when the kings were, a little bit of information here, uh, the first king that was of Judah was Rehoboam, and there's the verse there that tells you that he was the very first king. But as for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam was the first king who reigned over the, over the southern kingdom. So Rehoboam was the first king of Judah. The southern kingdom consisted of two tribes. There was Judah and Benjamin. The kingdom extended in the north as far as Bethel, while in the south it ended, ended in the dry area known as Negev. Its eastern and western boundaries were the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, and Jerusalem was its capital, and it lasted from 922 to 586 B.C. That was 387 years. Now you say, why is this all important? Well, it's, it's real important because if you remember, at first God didn't want Israel, I mean, Israel, the people of Israel to have a king at all, did he? And then he, and then he went ahead and he said, well, I'll, I'll let you have a king, and he chose Saul, right? And then Saul... Uh, messed that up, and then he chose David, and then he had chose uh, King, King Solomon after that, and then things started going haywire in the country. 
And then that's when it, you know, it divided into these, these two kingdoms. And uh, for 387 years, and then it goes into Babylonian captivity. But as, uh, if you'll see here, we'll give you a little bit more information. Judah had 20 kings until the destruction of Jerusalem on the 9th of Av, 586 B.C., when they went into Babylonian captivity. And if you do some study on that 9th of Av, you'll find out a lot of things happened on the 9th of Av in, in, uh, in uh, uh, Jewish history. Did you know that Israel became a, na a nation on the 9th of Av, 1948? So there's a lot of different things. Uh, the, the, uh, war, the, I'm trying to think of what was the war in 1969. I was born in 70, so don't, don't get on me. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the, the, the Six-Day War uh, was on the 9th of Av. So there's a lot of Jewish history on the 9th of Av, if you go back and you look on that day. So it's a lot of different things. If you go back and you look at those things, you can find that happened on that day. Over the 387 years that there were kings for, the, for, the, for Judah, there were eight good kings and there were 11 bad kings. Kind of sounds like America, don't it? When we look back at our history and the, and the presidents that we've had. But it says, Josiah was the 16th king on the list and was the last king good king, he was preceded by two bad kings. And here's a list of the kings. And of course it starts over here on the left and then continues down on the right. The ones you see in red are the uh, bad kings and the ones that you see in uh, green are the good kings. So if you look at Josiah, he's surrounded there by quite a bit of bad kings, isn't he? Both before and after. So. Uh, so when we read our scriptures, you'll, you'll really be amazed at what happened. Matter of fact, Manasseh is probably, uh, Josiah's grandfather, is, is known as probably the worst king Israel ever had. He is known as a, a, the treacherous king. And the one thing about Manasseh, though, is he, he served 49 years, and, and he, he did repent at the last six years of his, of his things. But the thing that happened after that and we may see it here in the slides, but Ammon, his son, came along, served for two years, and he was so bad that his own people, his own servants, slew him. And then the servants that slew him were killed by people that were wanting him, uh, that didn't want him, want them to take over an office. So it's just a miracle the way that God worked things out. So jo Josiah, Josiah was the last great king that was there. Our main text, if you'll look at 2 Chronicles 34, 15, that I want you to see here tonight. Well, let's just go back and read, and read in, uh, the, the start of it, uh, chapter 34. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. Eight years old when he began to be king. That's not, he served eight years, that's, he was eight years old. We got anybody here that's eight years old today? Okay, there's nobody. Wesley is three. Who's the oldest child? How old are you? Ten. Now, could you imagine us coming in here today and say Braden's going to be the leader of this church? Huh? So he's taking over today. He's going to be the leader of the church. He's going to make all the decisions. Uh, he's, he's the one that's in charge. And how many of y'all would say, all right, let's vote. He's in. Uh, well, it wouldn't, wouldn't go over too well, would it? But Josiah was eight years old when he became king. 
And, he, and it says, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. And it says, for in the eighth year of his reign, remember now this is 16, when he was 16, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem, the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. I want you to notice something about here. He was eight years old when he began to reign. His dad and his grandfather were two of the most wicked kings that Israel had ever had. Okay? Where did he get all this wisdom about God? Where was he getting all this? You're going to find out in verse, verse 15 that they didn't really have a copy of the Word of God at that time. And I'll show you that here in just a few minutes. But the thing about it, I want you just to notice this. Verse 15 says, And Hilkah answered and said to Shapen, Hilkah was the high priest. Shapen was one of the uh, servants of the kings. said to Shapen the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkah delivered the book to Shapen. And you know what Shapen did with it? He took it to Josiah. Josiah was 24 years old when this happened. Why was Josiah making changes to the nation of Israel at 16? The Word of God had been gone for probably since Manasseh was, Hezekiah was king. Hezekiah was Manasseh's father. Jewish believers and Jewish scholars believed that the book was hidden during that time inside the temple because they were afraid they would get rid, they would got rid of it. Now it was Jewish tradition and, it, and it's believed that a copy of the Torah or the, or the first five books of the Bible was to be hidden beside the Ark of the Covenant. And that book was to be read by, uh, read by the kings. But during those wicked kings uh, reigns that they knew that if they, had that, they had, if they were in the presence of that, they would have got rid of that because it was against everything that they believed. They would have got rid of those words of God. So they, a priest hid that inside one of the temples. And you'll see that as we read on. They said they, and it goes on here in verse 5, and it says, And he burnt the bones of the priest upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so he did in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon, unto the Naphtali and their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves and beaten the graven images into the powder and cut down all the idols throughout the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan the son of Azaliah, and Manasseh in the governor of the city, and Joah the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And when he came to Hilkah the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of the God. Now, while he's out doing this, I don't want you to notice something else about, about this. Josiah went and made sure all these things were done himself. You see, Josiah knew that Baal was worshipped all throughout Israel. He knew that the, they, they were worshipping the sun gods and and the false gods from Egypt and all those things have been brought into the land. 
But he couldn't, he, it's not that he couldn't trust people, but he wanted to make sure that they were all taken down himself. So he went and he made, throughout the country and he made sure that they were, that all these altars and all these high places and all these different things were destroyed himself. And, and he, when he got done going throughout all the country, he came back. Now he's 18 years old. Or now, and then he goes on and it says now, or I mean the 18th year of his reign, I'm sorry, he's 26 years old then. Right? 8 and 18 is 26. Y'all help me here. <laughs> so he's 26. And while he's doing that, he's also collecting money to, to rebuild the temple. Now, some of the things that we know about Manasseh is Manasseh also made some, made some things about uh, the temple. Manasseh uh, actually offers some offerings to God in the temple itself, to false gods in, in the temple itself. And we know that that's also a picture of what's going to happen in, our end time, in the end times, right? We know that it says that there'll be some false, that the... That the the false prophet will set up and make uh, offerings in the third temple when it comes along. He'll make up and make a false uh, false offerings and things like that. But things like that were going on back then in God's temple. So why did why did uh, Josiah think he had to go beyond just cleansing the temple? He's already cleansed it, but he had to beautify it. It was a humanity thing. He wanted to get rid of all presence of the worship or or the destruction that Manasseh and his father beforehand had done. Now, let's go on here a little bit. Let's see what we got. Things about King Josiah. Of course, we know he was the grandson of Manasseh. We've already talked about that a little bit. Uh, he, uh, and that he had repented, uh, ruled more, six years more, and Joseph, the, then Josiah's godless and wicked father, King Ammon, ruled two years and was assassinated. One thing about Josiah that, that I forgot to mention, if you turn to 1 Kings 13, 1 and 2, you will find that Josiah was prophesied 300 years before his reign. If you'll turn over there with me, I'll show that to you real quick. 1 Kings 13, 1 and 2. Now I told you that Josiah went all the way throughout the land destroying all these high places and, and graves and all these things. And he even said that he offered the bones, of, uh, the bones of the priests and all those things and tore them down. All these priests and, and, and things of Baal and stuff, he tore all their images down, all the things that had been offered to him. Even these priests, these false prophets and things like that that had been, that they had raised, uh, kind of like they do, they do sometimes now to saints. They'll raise up images and stuff to them. He tore all those down and stuff. Well, there was one that he did not tear down. And it was this man right here who made a prophecy of him. And it says, Behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense and cried against the altar of the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David. Remember, this is 300 years before. What did he call him? Josiah by name. And upon thee shall be shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. See, 300 years before Josiah ever came, he had already told about Josiah coming. The only person that Josiah, the only false, I mean, the only uh, grave and thing that, that 
was a, that was the image the or the grave that was built up that Josiah did not tear down was this one man's grave because he had told the truth. It goes on, he began his reign as king at the age of eight years old. Let's see. Stuck, Daniel. At age 16, he determined to follow God. Climbed neither to the right hand nor to the left, for in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. At age 20, he began to purge the land of all the evil that his father and grandfather had allowed to come into the land. Finally, at age 24, he accomplished what he had set out to do. The land had been purged. Now, we go to this part that I was talking about, our main verse here, in uh, verse 15. Let's read that again. And it says, And Hilkah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkah delivered the book to Shaphan. And then verse 16 says, And Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hands of the overseers and the hand of the workmen. So Shaphan started giving this report about how how they're building the temple the way that they wanted to. Then Shaphan the scribe had told the king, saying, Hilkah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkah and Achim the son of Shaphan, and Abinah the son of Micah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asai a servant of the king, saying, Go, inquire the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. So by jo- Josiah's reaction to finding the book, we can determine that it had a great impact on him. Wouldn't you agree? Josiah thought he was doing God's will. He'd already got everything out that he thought he had to get out, right? The, the idols were all out of the land. He thought, he thought, well, he said, I'm doing exactly what I need to do. I've got all the idols. I've got all the false gods out of the land. I'm, there's, you know, everybody's, everybody's talking about how I'm a godly king. I'm doing what's right, all these things. And then Josiah, maybe even in his own eyes, thought, hey, I'm doing the Lord's will in my life. But there's one thing that changed Josiah, and that was when he found the Word of God. He realized that the Word of God made a difference in him. So we, my, my question here was, it says, uh, so what do we think made Josiah's early determination about it? Uh, uh, as, as far as his following the Lord. You say, well, yes, he, we, he did determine to follow God and he had been doing so, but where did he know to do this? Uh, one thing that I'd found out here is his mother's name was Jedidiah. And uh, her name meant beloved of God. If you know anything about... Uh, Israel and the names, uh, the names that a lot of a lot of times the names have meaning. The daughter of Adi, which means Yahweh hath adorned, or the counselors that were there, that had had got him. God had had a remnant to stay with him throughout the years. So that's probably where he got he got that uh, got his godly heritage when he was growing up little. But Josiah saw himself in the scriptures and he rent his clothes and humbled himself before the Lord and became more determined to follow God. The Word of God gave him even more encouragement to follow the Word of God. 
He was going to search out more things that needed to be changed in Israel. He had already purged the land, but realized it was not enough to remove those things. They had to be replaced not just with a place to worship, but with a people who were able to worship by getting into the book. And if you read the rest of the chapter, you'll find that Josiah takes the book of the, the Word of God and has them read it to the people of God. And he realized that the Word of God was more important than the temple of God. And he said, Brother Jared, what's all this have to do with me? Well, our pastor gave us a challenge at the first of the year. I don't know how many of you all have kept up with that challenge. I can stand here tonight, and I'm not bragging, but I can say I've, I finished that challenge in April of this year. I read my Bible through this year, finished it in April. I read it through chronologically. Well, what, does, what do you mean by that, Brother Jared? I read Second Kings or second, first and second, or second Kings and Second Chronicles together. The stories told together. When I read the Bible, I've got a Bible that puts them all together. If you've never done that, you need to read it that way. Find you a chronological Bible and read it that way. It will bring it more to light to you. You won't be wondering when you're reading Second Kings, what's what. What all's going on here? And then you read Second Chronicles three books over and you hear the same story over again. And you say, well, why does this sound so much different than this over here? Which, why, why, is it, why does it sound different? Why is it, does it sound like it's a different story? It's not a different story. But I've got to wondering too, what about you and I today? Are we like Josiah? Are we determined but lacking in our lives when it comes to our Bibles? How do, we treat, how do we treat the Bible? Do we say each morning, as Hilka the high priest said, I have found the book? Do we run around and look to try to find our Bibles so we can actually bring them to church? You know, we smile and we laugh, but it's been done before. How do we come to worship? And then what are we going to do about it? If you've found the book, first thing you should do is you should search it daily. You find, read on in this story, you'll find that Josiah couldn't get enough of God's Word. He stayed in it the whole time. Oh yes, it, 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 made, him, it made him rent his clothes and it brought tears to his eyes. But you see, the reason that it did that is because he wanted to be more like Christ. He wanted to be more like God. He wanted to grow closer to God. Acts 17.11 tells us these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Search the book. Search it daily. Hey, if you have a question about something the pastor says or that I say, search it out. Bring it back to us or Daniel, or anybody that gets up here. Luke 4, 4, and, say, and Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by, by every word of God. 
The points down here says, plan to read it and persevere in reading it. I know it's not easy to, to read your Bible every day. That's why you've got to set aside a, a set time to read God's Word and put it first on your list. Put it before anything else. Hey, what all, after all, what is your main goal? Getting closer to Jesus Christ. That ought to be your goal. And the only way that you can do that is by getting in His Word. All the knowledge about God is found in His book. You're not going to do it by sitting and meditating. You're not going to do it by listening to music. You're not going to do it by going out and being good to other people. You're going to do it by getting into His Word and finding out. Hey, once you do that, you'll do all those other things. Right? If you have found the book, you should store it deep in your heart. A, it'll prop up your defenses. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Every one of us in here have things that we battle every day. If you all could see me and you knew me like the Lord knows me, you'd say there's no reason for you. I wouldn't even let, let you up there, Brother Jared. But I think the same would be true about you all. If we knew what lied deep in our hearts. But that's why we need to hide God's word in our heart. Realize that we serve a forgiving God and move on. Paul tells us, he says, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God. And when he talks about it, he's not talking about looking behind. He's talking about moving forward. Every time that you look behind in a race is when you begin to trip up. Not only that, it will protect you against Satan. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There's been times in my life that I've just had to say, Satan, get thee behind me. Have y'all not ever had to do that? Huh? Things come up in your life that you know were a temptation or, a, or something bad to you, and you just, have to, you just have to call him out. Get away from me, Satan. But you should store it deep in your heart. Number three. I think I'm stuck again, Daniel. You should study it with diligence. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Look to the Lord for wisdom. Listen to the man of God. Hey, why do you, why do you think pastor wants you to be faithful here? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right? Live in its pages. See yourself in the pages of God's word. Hey, I'm a Peter. I put my foot in my mouth a lot of, a lot of times. How about you? Anybody else put your foot in your mouth a lot? Hmm? I'm a Peter. I live in its pages. Right? Number four. You should submit to its decrees. Confront your own beliefs and behavior with it. 
You say, well, I just don't believe that way. What does God's Word say? That's the main thing. Huh? And after you confront your own beliefs and behavior with it, conform to it. No. I know this is, a, this is a good one. I don't believe in whipping my children. How many of y'all have heard that before? I don't, believe in, I don't believe in beating my children, but I believe the Bible tells us to not spare the rod. Spare the rod, just spoil the child. Right? I thought Wesley said something. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hey, don't go into this thinking you're a know-it-all. We're not. There's only one person that knows it all, and that's God. And, he's going to, and, it's, and it tells us our minds are going to have to be transformed. Because if we, all, if we go into this and we think we know it all, there's no way he's going to be able to work with us. We're going to have to go in and say, Lord, your will be done. I'm a vessel. Use me however you want me to be used. Number five, you should stand upon it with determination. Josiah, in the last parts of this chapter, says that they stood, and the men of God stood with him. The men that were there stood with him. Stand upon the Bible, even when its accuracy is challenged, even when its appearance is counterfeited. We are a King James Version Bible church here. We believe in the King James Version Bible, and we stand upon it here. Don't let other Bibles move in to your devotionals, and other things. I'm telling you, use the Word of God that God has given the English-speaking people, which is the King James Version. Now you say, Brother Jared, what about some of these authors that use these other things? I'm telling you, there are some other authors that are out there, but you keep your King James Bible there. If they use another verse, you look it up in your King James Version. You will be able to tell the difference. That's why you're supposed to study it. Second Timothy 4, 2 and 4 says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, repute, reprove, rebuke, exhort with, long, with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. You should spread it to those in darkness. Witness persistently. Everywhere you go, spread the word of God. Tell everybody about it. They ought to see a difference anyhow, but tell them about it. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Randy, you smash your finger, 
Say praise God. Shout. Give Him the glory. Thank Him for that finger that you had to smash. I mean, we gotta, we got we to gotta be able to witness. Tell some things. Witness prayerfully. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I think one of the worst things that has ever happened to me is a long time ago when I was a young Christian, somebody asked me if I was, somebody asked me, said, are you saved? And I said, yes. And they said, can you tell me how to be saved? And I couldn't tell when I was a young Christian. I hadn't hid God's word in my heart. I didn't know much about it. All I could do was tell them about how I got saved, which was still a witness. But I sure wish I'd have had the Bible to, to back it up. Do, you, do we have that? Number seven, you should show it by your deeds. Now, if you're in the book, People should recognize the author of the book that has affected your actions. People should recognize the author of the book that has affected your attitude. What kind of attitude do you have? Hey, when you come in here on Sunday mornings, how are people looking at you? Are you greeting people? Are you letting visitors know that you, you're glad to have them here? I know this COVID thing's going on, but still it will have a smile on our face. People should recognize the author of the book that has affected your appearance. Hey, this is God's house. Let's act like it's God's house when we come here. Miss Ann, I may be getting too deep here. But, I, but listen, this is God's house. We ought to respect God's house when we come to God's house. Am I right? We wouldn't, we wouldn't go to a funeral or a wedding dressed sometimes like we come to church. And I'm not just saying this to our church. There's people on the internet. There's other churches out there. And I'm preaching to me. I've come here sometimes from work and had on clothes that I probably shouldn't wore. I could have took other clothes. So I'm preaching to me too. We ought to treat God's house like it's God's house. Let me mention one last thing here. We've got all these things here. But I want you to notice who Josiah went to. And then I want to share one last thought with you here. If you go back and you look here in chapter 34, and I believe it's in the... Let me look here and see where it's at. He went to hold of the prophet. Let me see if I can find it here. Help me find it, Tammy, if you can. What verse is it in? Verse 22, yeah. And Hilkah and they that the king had appointed went to hold of the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikva, the son of Hazra, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college. And they spake to her of that effect. 
I got to looking into seeing who Holda the prophet was. And I found out that there's only three prophets, prophetess in the Old Testament. One was Miriam. One was Dinah, the judge, and Huldah. And I got to reading about this, and the person that I was reading about said that at all three times, well, let's just say this, let's do this first. Jeremiah was there at this time. Why didn't Josiah ask Jeremiah for his advice? And they said, well, Jeremiah was probably gone out of the city or whatever. And the guy that, that I got this commentary from said, at all three times that these prophecies were used was during a time when men were not willing to step up and take their position. In God's church, or in God's time. Miriam, who was there? Who was the only two men that were there? Moses and Aaron. Dinah, the judge. No men. And then here, Josiah was the only one standing up. I just say that for us. We need some men to be men. And I thank God for the men in this church. The last church I went to and some of the other churches that I've been to, there's not been men stand up and take positions like they should. I thank God for this church and you men that are standing up and taking positions the way that you do. Teaching Sunday school, making decisions, and doing what you all are doing here. But not only do you need to make it at church, we need to make them at home too. Because I think we, we can see, not only here, but we can see it across our nation where men aren't doing what they should be doing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. I ask, dear God, that you just might watch over and take care of uh, this uh, church, that you be with the people that are here in this church. Lord, I pray that these seven things that we went over about the Bible, dear God, that we might be able to apply those to our hearts, that you might be able to help us to, to use those things, dear Lord, and uh, in our lives to strengthen our relationship with you. Maybe be like Josiah, dear God, and just 